GA Nation, we are back and we are heading, heading back, back to Cali, Cali, the Genesis Invitational. And you know who's back? The big cat. Tiger is back, lacing him up. I'm not sure if he's going to make our lineups this week, but at least it'll be fun to watch him on our TV screens. David. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Yeah, great to um, to have the big cat back, uh, the goat, and and be very interested to to speak about how he might play this week. Um, I just I love this golf course. I think Riviera is just so iconic. It's always just such a tense finish, especially down the stretch there. So really excited um, for this week and uh, interesting format as well in terms of the tournament. So it's going to be a great um, event, and can't wait to see how it all plays out. Listen, interesting format for the tournament, interesting format for the draft cast tonight. As you can see, just two of us tonight. It's going to be a three-man draft audience, me, David, and you guys. Um, Spencer couldn't make it tonight. Sia couldn't make it tonight. No worries. We have a three-man show. Spencer got the win last night, last week, but he's not here. So, um, audience, we're giving you the first pick. That's how much we love you. We want you guys to pick first and get a win this week. It's still going to have a tall task because I'm still coming for you. And I like this week. I like this tournament. I like the setup. I'm feeling good about it. I feel almost the best about this tournament as good as good as I felt of any tournament this year. So I'm pretty excited to, to dive in and break down because Spence is in here. David, do you have a course breakdown that you can share with us that what you're looking for here at the Genesis Invitational? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the Genesis Invitational has been hosted at Riviera for uh, donkeys, yes. It's had 55 instances of the tournament being played on this course. So, um, you know, it kind of feels like this is our time to shine in terms of data analytics. Courses like TPC Scottsdale and here this week at Riviera, because you've just got that wealth of data to be able to delve into and, and really pick out some key numbers. First thing I point out is the um, the predicted approach distances that we see for the players here, actually very similar to what we saw at TPC Scottsdale. That 150 to 200 yard bucket really received receives the bulk of those shots um i do wonder if it would perhaps be a little bit longer this week there's been a lot of rain in california it's been well documented all over the news of the different storms that have moved through essentially an entire year's worth of rain falling in one week in in california so i do wonder if it will perhaps play a little bit longer than previously but it should be in that 150 to 200 yard bucket so last week on approach could be a really good guide of what to expect here whoever was hitting their irons well last week should find themselves in quite similar situations when it comes to Riviera. it's a decently long golf course it's uh, a par 71 over 7300 yards so that would put it in the upper echelon of um of length of tracks fairways are pretty narrow too although the the rough isn't too long it's two inches do bear in mind it's kakuya grass so it's, it's used quite commonly in south south africa um a lot of courses there quite sticky it can produce flyers um it can be quite difficult to play out of and although the greens here are some of the largest on the pga tour these different sections of the greens that you really do need to be targeting you're going to need to move the ball in both directions and so that approach really does become quite key to success around here and you see that with the list of players who have found success, success around Riviera, they've tended to be the best ball strikers. You are going to miss greens as well. And because of that difficult Kikuya grass, some really difficult bunkers as well, 
and the sort of like multi-tiered and difficult nature of these greens, short game is extremely significant here, more so than at least at the, than the majority of courses on the PGA Tour. So that's kind of the recipe for success. We've seen Bombers have a bit more success here um, compared to, to prior years. Um, I'd rather personally just hone in on those ball striking elements because if you can hit that approach between 150, 200 really well, you've got some good short game elements and some track record putting on those Poana greens. I think that that's a decent recipe for success regardless of your distance off the tee. You look at guys like Max Homer and Jordan Spieth have had decent amount of success here, not necessarily the longest off the tee compared to, say, someone like Rory McIlroy. Totally makes sense. I think the pricing this week is interesting. This is as low as a field as we've seen in this calendar year. Um, basically, much everybody, for the most part, is playing. Um, and you got, you know, you have the ability to build pretty much any type of lineup. Again, if you want to go stars and scrubs, you could do that. If you want to be a balanced approach, you could do that. I think there's some mispricing. So not going to give anything away. We'll get into it in the draft. But there's plenty of opportunity to be unique and kind of draft the way you want, even though it's a smaller field than normal. I think the one thing that maybe gets overlooked sometimes with these small fields is the reality is even on a full field, you can almost immediately eliminate 30 to 35% of the field. It's someone that we would never play, would never be considered, are never going to make our DFS roster. So the reality is this field size is really just more in line with the guys that we would actually even just start to consider. So it's either to me, I'm not taking it as that much different because I feel like it's just eliminating those other guys that we typically would never really consider anyway in our lineup. So, go ahead, David. Yeah, def- definitely interesting with the format. And just bear in mind with the the event, 70 players in, in the event, um, they demanded basically that they have a cut because uh, Tyco wanted one. And so that happened. Uh, so the cut this week is 50 players, including ties. But it does also have a provision that if you're within 10 shots of the lead, you will also make the weekend. So you are going to have to play pretty badly in order to miss the cut at this event. Um, it would be at, at max sort of um, 15 players potentially missing it. Um, and depending on the dispersion of scoring, really determine how many um, are going to miss the cut with that 10-shot provision. It's a really good call. I, mean, I think essentially what, what David's saying is if you like somebody, I, you can basically use it as a no-cut event. Yes, there's going to be a couple guys that missed the cut, but that's it. It's just going to be a couple guys. Right? Most of the people shouldn't make the cut, so I wouldn't overthink that of like I need to get cut makers. You're going to be playing pretty bad. If someone's playing that bad, you probably shouldn't be playing them anyway. So I don't overthink the cut thing. I think most of the guys are going to get four days, and if they're playing good enough to what you want to roster them, I'd have some confidence in just firing it up and, and move forward. Um, David, if you want to pull the draft board up, to explain the rules, it's it's pretty similar as normal. It's going to be a three-man draft, but still snake style. You need to stay within your DraftKings salary. So, audience, you'll be going first. Feel free to get started and start bringing your nominations in now. Again, as always, you need two. So once the second nomination's in, that is your pick. You'll get one to start, and then on the second turn, you'll get two picks in a row. I will go second. David, you will be going third. Um, audience, you are on the clock. It looks like you have a few nominations in, so we'll need – one more to get started. Um, David, before we while we wait for that, oh, looks like JT is in with the first pick. And I, I'll start by saying I agree with that pick. JT's playing great right now. And I just think he's underpriced here. Um to have him in the low nine Ks, is he a 10K? Yeah, so yeah, to have him in the low nine Ks, I'm not sure um why they put that price down so much, though as well as he's been playing. I thought he should have been closer to 10k, at least in the high nine. So the fact that that price is down, I think you're getting a really good value with JT. 
Uh, David, what's you? Are you playing JT at all this week? Yeah, look, I mean, the the approach with uh, Justin Thomas is just well and truly back at this point. I think we can uh, we can say pretty confidently that he's uh, he's in some decent form. Again, like I, I think you're correct, it's like a very clear misprice on his um, salary here. I saw on um, books when they first opened markets that he opened at thirty three to one, which was insane. That immediately got cut into like twenty five to one, and now you're getting kind of like twenty two to twenty to one, which is where it should really be priced. And you know, odds on book makers and, and odds can be shifted like that but DraftKings uh, pricing and salaries can't right once it's been set it's set so he is a very clear underprice I would say that um, he's going to be extremely high owned I've seen 25% ownership at the moment it is a smaller field so you're going to expect some higher numbers than usual but um, he's one of the highest owned in terms of the the 9ks and upwards so you're just going to need to get a little bit different elsewhere if you are taking JT but Overall, no qualms with um, with taking them with the first pick. Honestly, at, at that price, yes, obviously 25 is a high number. I thought it could have been higher even at that price. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he was up to 30. So 25 doesn't scare me off. To David's point, you can get different elsewhere. Don't play a fully chalky lineup, but I'd feel comfortable at 25 and just finding my, my ways to get different with the rest of my lineup. Um, with my first pick here, I'm going to start with value. I you know We've been talking about this guy a lot this year. You know, he's been criminally underpriced week in, week out. I think he's my favorite value play. And I don't know why his price doesn't come up more than this yet. I'm going to take Eric Cole. Um, you know, he wasn't great last week uh, at a T49, but, you know, he's gotten pretty consistently good results. The the distance, the approach distance, proximity that you'll be looking for here, you know, he excels at. He's got a pretty good all-around game. You know, the one thing he might not be his biggest strength is his distance. But I don't think that will kill him here. I think he's just a really good course fit. If they're going to keep putting him under 8K, he's someone that I'm going to be rostering. Um, David, what say you on Eric Cole? Yeah, no no problem with um, Eric Cole. I, I think that um, – I, I mean, I had him on my card last week, right? And part of that was given his strength in that 150 to 200-yard approach bucket, which um, is, again, going to be really key this week. Some concerns that I think that Driver just perhaps plays a little bit more of a part this week than it did at the TPC Scottsdale. Um, if you can drive it long and straight, that is a very clear advantage on a decently long course and narrow course. And Eric Cole kind of famously does neither of those things particularly well. Um, but I do like the approach numbers that you're getting on him um, in that 150 to 200 range. In terms of ownership, he looks like criminally under-owned at 5.5%. Like, he looks like that's what I'm getting at the moment. And uh, that that does look very low. Uh, there's some big names around him which are going to create um, some tension. Nikolai Hoygaard, Zalatoris, Benny Arn, for example, I think are all going to be quite popular. So people are obviously going there rather than near a call. So kind of a nice differential. There you have it. I love it. All right, David, you got two here. Who are you looking at? Yeah, well, I'm going to go um, straight up and, and spend a lot of my salary in these first two picks because uh, you guys have let them fall to me. So I'll take my two favourites um, in the upper echelons, which are Scotty Scheffler and Sander Schofley. Um, obviously, these two guys are just absolutely killing it on approach. In particular, they're both uh, excellent in that 150 to 200 approach um, bucket. Over the last 12 months, these guys sit one and two um, in that range. I understand the concerns about Scotty Scheffler's putter. Putter typically isn't been that good, good of a predictive factor here, and he's doing decently well around the greens. And in terms of um, around the green, obviously, um, Sandra Schofflay is in the top five in this field as well. So they're, they're both just tick a lot of boxes for me. I don't think you can really go wrong with either of them, and it feels like 
Scottish Scheffler's floor, even with the flawed putter, is like a f- fifth place finish. Like that's his his worst possible outcome, right? So um, I understand the the ownership, but given the way I've structured that, I'm going to have to get different elsewhere anyway. I mean, listen, you don't need too much of an explanation around Scheffler. We know what Scheffler is. It's pretty consistent. I think the thought process around Scheffler at this point isn't what you think you're going to get. I think you can bank on the top 10 out of Scheffler almost every week. The question around Scheffler is, can you build a competitive – if he doesn't win the tournament, are you better off with him in the lineup at 11-5 or are you better off going more balanced with the rest of your roster? That's what you got to think about. And I honestly – my decisions on playing Scheffler are more about how I can build the rest of my roster, what pricing looks like for the week, what kind of value I like. Because you know you're going to get a top 10. You know he's going to be useful and you'll make money playing him. But can you build a strong enough roster around it to make that work? So um, Xander is another one where, listen, you know, you're not going to anyone complain. For me personally, I don't love Xander as much this week in tournaments as I would cash. I, I think you're getting a good result. I don't know how high, right? At, at this price, especially with, with Scotty, you need Xander kind of getting you a top five to really make that work. And you sure could. But I think because of the guys like Thomas, there's just a lot of value in that like 9K range that I like, which I'm going to go to with my next pick here. Um, that I might be preferred over Xander this week for me personally. And I'll start with my pick here, and that's Ludwig. Um, I'm going back to the pick. I think, David, as you said earlier, one of the big things you want are long straight hitters, and that's that's definitely his thing. You top that with that. He's got the all-around game. The distance here should, should be good for him. I think everything... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. About Ludwig makes sense this week. And at 9,200, I think he has just as much upside as anyone. So I love the value as a basically for me, it's like a pivot off JT in that right same range, a little bit lower ownership, but I think just as much upside. Uh, David, what say you on Ludwig? Yeah, I, I'm a little bit surprised at the ownership that I'm seeing on, on ABU this week. I would have thought that he'd be perhaps be a bit higher. I mean, arguably, since he's turned professional, he's within the top five golfers in the world at the moment, like in, in terms of his results that he's been putting out, um, I think he could like make a very solid argument that he's in that conversation with uh, Rory and Scheffler and Hovland and Aberg and maybe Candley Shelfley, like, like he's in that range. So um, he, he again seems very cheap at 9,200, should be a course that suits well. We haven't got any course history, so that may put, be what's putting some people off in terms of the ownership, but um, yeah, look, I, I think it should be a good fit for him in terms of the, the length and the approach um, distances that are going to hit um, for him. There you have it. I'll be honest with you guys. I mean, great pick. I was deciding between Ludwig and Adam Scott with my next pick. I didn't think Adam Scott would go next. I thought I'd get him with my next pick. That's why I went Ludwig. But audience, you're taking him. Stole the pick for me. I think it's a great pick. Love Adam Scott. He's just in great form right now. I mean, he is striking the ball super well at 8,200. This is just a great value. Um, I just I'm, I have so much confidence in the way his game looks right now, the way he's been playing and the consistency. He's one of my favorite values at 8,200. Plenty of upside. And he's the type of guy that can make these rosters work because he doesn't need to win the tournament. He gets you 10th or 12th or 9th place at 8,200. That's perfectly fine. So 
Um, I love Adam Scott. This is one of my favorite plays. How about you, David? Yeah, look, I I, I love Adam Scott this week. I, I think that he's got a very real chance to win the tournament. It feels that he's been trending for the last kind of three months towards a win, and he arrives at a place where he's won um, previously in 2020. He's obviously won the Masters as well. He won here in 2005 as well, by the way. So, I mean, he's a two-time winner on the golf course, um, and he's in excellent form. The, the thing that pissed me off him, in DFS, like I love him in betting especially, but the thing that puts me off in DFS is he's just so underpriced. Like he he should be low nines in my modeling that you are getting a very high percentage of ownership as a result of that. So again, we've kind of started with the audience, two pretty chalky picks and Justin Thomas, Adam Scott. It looks like Sam Burns as well now, which is again, another like high ownership play. So you're going to have to really get different audience in terms of the rest of your lineup if this is going to be like a GPP lineup. Is it like a start to like a cash game lineup? I think it's kind of ideal. Um, but yeah, just the ownership on Scott might be a case where it's like everything like makes so much perfect sense in terms of the incoming form, the course history, the way he's been playing, his approach numbers the last two tournaments that he's inevitably going to be popular. Like, and he could be the, the chalk that either like makes or breaks your a lot of your lineups because you're going to have to play them in like half your teams. Yeah, and to David's point, you know, audience, I really like your start here. I actually really like Burns too. He's one of the guys I'm considering with my next pick. So, audience, I think you're doing a great job. At some point, though, here, you will, for GPP purposes, you will want to have to get different and get somebody kind of off the radar to balance this out. But in terms of just you want production first. So, I think it's okay to take some chalky plays early and then, uh, and then change it up and, and get different on the, at the back end of your lineup. So I, I actually think it's a really good start. Definitely behind Burns. Uh, before I take my pick, David, what are your thoughts on Burns this week? Yeah, really, really like Burns this week. Again, I just have some concerns about the ownership numbers um, that are going to come with him. I, I would say Riviera plays pretty similar to um, the Valspar Championship Copperhead course at um, Innisbrook Resort. Obviously, um, Sam Burns has got a fairly decent record there, having won twice and then finished um, six in his his um, three-piece attempt. So he's got that going for him. He finished third here in 2021 as well. Um, again, kind of like Adam Scott, it just looks like he's training towards victory, finishes at sixteenth, third in his last um, three tournaments. Um, and he was bad towards the end of last year either. So he looks like he's in excellent form. Um, he missed a few short putts and still gained putting last week. So um, bear that in mind that he could have um, very easily kind of run away with the event last week. Um, and I just love Zach in Japan just giving me a hard time in the chat for my comments and, and smack back because that's what this show's about. It's like that's what I love is the audience coming back at me and uh and uh getting getting their backs up and telling me that uh no David just sit sit down, watch this work. We're we're gonna build a winning lineup here. So I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, moving this thing along. My third pick here. I'm gonna go risky. I've almost guaranteed a withdrawal with this pick because of my history, I'm going to take Will Zalatoris. And I am under the belief that at this point, you want to kind of catch Zalatoris while the pricing is still low. We still have that at under 8K. Um, and, you know, he got a 13th place, you know, on his last time out. The, the ball striking is there. He even made some putts. He historically has played really well at this course. Um, he's had a history of making putts here. If, if you're telling me Zalatoris will have a good putter this week, 
I'm willing to bank that the ball striking will be there, and that that's not the thing that I have an issue with. So, for if I'm going to roll the dice on someone, and an under 8K Willis Zalatoris is someone I'd like to roll the dice on. Plenty of upside for me there. What say you did? Will we be playing Zalatoris at all this week? Yeah, I love I love Zalatoris this week. I, I I'll say this with a lot of caution. I don't think he's going to withdraw. I think that it's looked like he's actually um, he's actually looked pretty healthy since coming back, and it looks it, like his profile when you read it just looks like a golfer who's been injured. He's had some time out of the game. He took a couple of tournaments to shake off the rust, adjust to his new swing, and like now he's back and just playing at his best again. Like that's that's everything that that his profile screams at the moment to me. Um, obviously, there's some pretty strong links between Augusta National and Riviera. Um, I think Will Zalatoris has a pretty good record at Augusta National. Might be wrong. Might might have heard that somewhere, but I think he's done pretty well around that golf course. And um, there's a lot of links between the two. So 13th um, last appearance at Farmers Insurance Open when we tipped him up. I really wanted to beat him this week. He opened at 66s, and again, that just got bet in so quickly um, by the market on open that he, he's around 50s now, which is a bit too short for me, but around those 66s, if you got it, was a, an incredible price for a very talented golfer. For sure. And, you know, you look at these golfers, you look at these ranges, and it's easy to do the exercise of, like, of the guys, of the 10 to 15 guys in this range, who realistically has the upside to win this tournament, right? And you look at that range, and there's, like, three guys maybe, right? And definitely Zalatoris is one of them. So that's one exercise, a way to kind of pick and choose in these different tiers. All right, David, you got two here. You spent a lot of money to start. Where are you going with your next two picks? Uh, so my first, I'm going to go with uh, Sahif Tagala. Again, talked about that link between Augusta National and uh, Riviera, well, Sahif uh, played Augusta National once and he finished ninth. So uh, not a bad record there. Um, his approach numbers, particularly in that 150 to 200 yard bucket, really um, get an uptick for me. And his around the green game is like quietly very solid. I, I'm kind of running on the fact that like I know that his driving accuracy can be an issue. It's looked a bit better as of late. He's actually gained on the field in two of his last three starts with driving accuracy, which is pretty decent. One of those came at the um, pretty difficult Tory Pines as well, so another long golf course. I just think it's a course that's really going to suit him. He was six here last time as well, and I think he's actually an improved golfer. He's looked a lot more consistent as well, and his win um, at the Fournette Championship came in Silverado, so um, neighbouring um, state or in California in a neighbouring area. So quite happy to take him there, that price. Obviously, that leaves me uh, very short on salary, so this is where I'm going to need to start getting a bit different, and I'm I'm actually going to give um, JJ Spawn another chance. I went with him last week at the Phoenix Open and he ended up missing the cut, um, although not horrifically. The reason why is that approach bucket just really does seem to be um, his strength between 150 to 200 yards is the place where JJ Spawn does his best work. He um, was one of the best in the field last week on approach despite missing the cut. Um, he was actually um, fifth for approach and did all of his um, negative work with the putter. So it's kind of like a, a one of those key bounce back kind of spots that I see for him. Um, his around the green is also very, very good. He consistently gains on the green, particularly the last six months. There looks to be a lot of improvement in his strokes gained around the green. So if um, short game is going to be a factor, I have some faith in him that he's going to be able to scramble and um, that clear key approach range really kind of um, pops for him as well. So I think he's great value if you do find yourself having to go down to that 6,200 and the kind of lineup construction that I'm going for here. Interesting. You know, I looked at Spawn this week myself because – 
he was very high ranked in my model when I when I built it out, and I was kind of figure out why. So I, my model saw this similar thing you were. I actually was not willing to play him, but seeing as he did come up high on my model, you like him now. I might have to change my tune at sixty two hundred, um, and I think this is where that that fact that will come in a little bit more that we were saying earlier on. Most guys are going to make the cut. So it's almost less of an issue. Like as long as he's not horrific to start, he's going to get four days. And uh, and I think for a guy like Spawn, that could be really valuable. And he's getting those valuable points and a 6,200 salary saver. So I can definitely get behind that pick there. Um, all right, friend, my, my next move here, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Siwoo Kim. Um, Siwoo's just been playing really well, very consistent. You know, if you're leaving someone who's good around the green, who strikes the well, good ball striker, he's been good off the tee. You know, Siwa's just been solid everywhere, and he's another guy that's in the 7K range um, that I feel that the ownership's a little bit better than you get at some of the guys around him. But now, he, he, his ownership's not great. Like I, He's not unowned at all, but let me see, double check what the number is for him. Yeah, 9%. So like, that's totally fine for me. There's some guys in this kind of mid-7K range that are really get, getting up there, so I'm happy to take the 9% on Siwa as, as a differentiator in this range. How about you, Dave? Are you playing Siwa all this week? I really like Siwoo this week. I mean, he's he's surprisingly good around the green. Um, he's eighth in this field over the last six months for um, for chipping. So short game, it does tend to be very predictive of success around this course. And so the fact that he's hitting that bucket was really promising to me. Obviously, he looks like he's in great form. Um, he's had a long stretch now of finishing in the top 25 42nd at the Sony Open wasn't necessarily his greatest, but other than that, he's been 25th or better in his last um, or in four of his last five events, including 12th last week at uh, the Phoenix Open, which is going to be pretty correlated in terms of the approach ranges that you're going to find. Um, third here in 2019 to his name as well. So I think he's a really good pick down in that range. Um, I think he's an excellent value. And yeah, I, I again, I agree with you. I think that his um, ownership uh, is a little bit lower than I would have expected. 8% in this size field is completely fine, so he's very playable at that price. Definitely undervalued for me. There you have it. I love it. I love it. And audience, while I have to say good job being quick getting your picks in, I'm also disappointed you guys are stealing my picks. Um, I, I really like your team. You know, Hoygaard, I think, has a lot of upside. My only concern with Hoygaard this week was that his ownership looked pretty high to start for this range, but you know, he's playing great. He can hit the ball long. He seems to be a good course fit. I like the start. What say you and Hoygaard, David? Yeah, I mean, the, the audience is like fully committing to building an absolute chalk yeah. monster at the moment with this uh, with this lineup because he is going to be extremely highly owned. Um, look, I mean, we, we forget that Nikolai Hoygaard is like turning 23 next month and he's, um, he's actually a couple of years younger than Ludwig. Um, I think he's got every chance to be in that discussion in the next two years of being a top five golfer he's he's immensely talented plenty of distance off the tee the the one pitfall for me with Hoygaard who I, I gave a lot of thought this week at 50 to 1 in the betting market is that his around the green is his weakest area um in his game and I'd want to see potentially some improvement in his chipping for a course like Riviera. I think there may potentially be better spots with him but I say that with a lot of caution because I think he's immensely talented there you have it. And it looks to me, unless I'm wrong, it looks to me the second pick is Benny Ann. Are you, can you confirm that? Yeah, I mean, Zach's put it up with the padlock. And so whenever I see that, I'm just like, I'm just going to trust that Zach's done the, the work for us and, and lock it in. You know, Benny Ann's an interesting one here because 
his form has fallen off a little bit. Um, you know, I don't think he's gone. I still think he's playable, but I don't think he's, I'm not as high on Benny N as I was, let's say two to three weeks ago. Um, I can certainly see the rebound happening here. And now's the time to do it, right? The ownership coming down a little bit, the price coming down. It could be a bounce back spot. I'm not on him this week. How about you, David? Yeah, I don't mind it for him. I don't know if he's my favorite player. I think that at 8% ownership, he's a little bit interesting because I do think he is still undervalued at 7,600. I would have thought he'd be sort of like low eights, maybe like 7,9, 7,8. So I do think you're getting a little bit of salary saving compared to where he should be. Data Golf Rankham is the 34th um, player in the world. The the concern for me comes that last week he lost on an approach and he lost on an approach the week before as well. So I wonder if he's maybe just cooling a little bit at this stage. He's also only played here once, um, finished 55th, and he's played at Augusta series several times and only made the cut once in um, his four attempts there. And we all know with Augusta, right, there's like at least 30 names straight away that you're like, okay, well, you're not going to make the cut because they're past champions or um, got on, on um, you know, amateur exemptions, things like that as well. So um, some concerns with, with Benny Hahn, but I think that um, his ownership is lower than I thought. And I think his salary is a little bit lower than I think it should be. There we have it. I'm definitely with you on that. Um all right, I got two. I know what two guys I want. I'm tr- strategically thinking who to take. I don't think you can afford either one, so I should be okay. We're pretty far apart. Uh, but I'm going to start with Wyndham Clark. Um, I think we've seen Wyndham playing some really good golf. Uh, obviously, he won two weeks ago, but he played well last week. The result wasn't there, but, you know, the ball striking, you know, is something that looks to be pretty consistent since the turn of the year. Um, we know he can get hot with that putter. I think he's going to drive the ball well this week. You know, he can get a little wild with the driver, but um, I think the distance is more important. I think a lot of guys are going to miss fairways. So I'm not overly concerned. At 8,300, I think you get plenty of upside in Wyndham Clark here. Uh, so I like him. I like the upside. The ownership looks okay. Uh, David, what say you on Wyndham Clark? Yeah, Wyndham's looked a lot, of, lot better after dropping off a little bit. I also point out that um, after having your Nikolai Hoygaard um, pick, stolen it sounds like uh you might have stolen Wyndham Clark from the audience as well and retribution which uh I love to see I'll let you guys work that out with your your final play with you steal again from the audience but yeah look he's he's looked a lot better obviously he had that win at um, Pebble Beach recently as well um it is the type of course which I think suits Wyndham's game in terms of being a bit trickier um he likes those tougher courses a little bit more than the booty fest it seems and He's had a very good record here even before he turned into like the US Open winner, Wyndham Clark. Um, on debut, he finished 17th here and then he was eighth in his second try around this track. So it obviously um, suits his eye quite well and kind of a similar profile to this, the, the Gala, right? Like you're relying on the driving accuracy um, kind of just coming right a little bit there. So um, yeah, don't, don't mind the play whatsoever. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, David, you got two. 6,800 average per pick. How are you running out this squad? Yeah, so I'm um, obviously going to need to continue deep diving into the 6K range um, given given my lineup construction. And I guess an interesting time just to have the Tiger Woods conversation, right? Like, let's have the Tiger conversation because he's down there and a lot of people are going to want to play him. I'm interested to hear your take on this. My my take is that I I every inch of my body would love to see Tiger finish in the top 10 of this tournament. I would love to see that. However, he hasn't had the best record on this course to start with. Like his course history here is pretty bad actually compared to 
what we've been used to in Tiger's career. He's always kind of struggled a little bit around here and he's just always going to be over-owned. Like it's Tiger Woods, just people are just always going to want to play him because it's Tiger Woods, regardless of how he's playing, regardless of his, if he's injured, they're going to be like, hey, you know, I'm just going to have a bit of fun and I'm going to put Tiger in my lineup. So I personally think he's unplayable in DFS. That's not saying that I don't want him to do well. I really want him to do well. I think he might finish like 35th maybe like around that would be where you'd expect him to kind of finish. I, I suspect he'll probably make the cut. I just don't think that he's playable in DFS given the ownership that you're going to get. Um, I'm seeing like 8%, which is like the highest of all the guys in the 6K, but I'll be interested in your take on whether he's playable in DFS this week. I, I, I agree with you. And, and I'm the exact same sentiment from the standpoint, like my instinct, like I love Tiger Woods. I want to play Tiger Woods. I want to be the guy that rosters Tiger Woods and he wins the tournament and I win money. Like, that's the perfect scenario. But the reality is he's Tiger Woods. He's going to be overowned because he's Tiger Woods. The price is really low. And is it possibly has a really good one? Of course, he's Tiger Woods. I'm not going to put anything past him. But the reality is it's hard to think that he's going to come out out of nowhere where he hasn't been playing very much and all of a sudden have this lights out week. It's hard to, to have a lot of confidence in that. Um, and the thought is, you know, at not a really low ownership, it doesn't seem like a risk that's worth taking for DFS. I would almost say if you were going to d- dive into that pool, cash would be preferred because I think to David's point, you know, getting like a 30th place at his low price seems more reasonable. That probably won't win you a big GPP, but that could be more useful in a more kind of cash type lineup. So that's how I would probably refer to play him. But realistically, if you really just want to have some action on Tiger, you're probably better off just betting on him, maybe get like a top 20 or top 30. You'll have your action on him, but you don't have to put him in DFS. For sure. I mean, like, I think, I think, uh, well, I mean, Japan's just said, see, I think Woods will finish around 33rd, and I, I said uh, he'd finish 35th. So it sounds like uh, even C is on the same page as me in that regard. I think, yeah, if you want to have a speculative, like, matchup play on him, find a market where um, he's matched up against a golfer that you want to fade, or if you want to put him in the top 30 just for fun, then go for it. Like, I, I understand where you're at where you're thinking in terms of that regard. But, um, yeah, I just can't play him in, in DFS. So, as you'll see on the board, I've got my first play there, which is Kurt Kitayama. I'll give him another go this week. He did very well for us last week when I'm um, finishing eighth. We tipped him at 80-1 to one on a course that really seemed to suit. His approach play the last six months has looked... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Really good. It's looked like it's really come around a lot. Um, he's gaining on approach in nine consecutive events now, which is excellent. He's only played here once. He did miss the cut, but with that, I would say that um, he gained a lot of strokes putting, and that's always the problem for the Kitayama is like, is he going to be rolling the rock? And the fact that he gained um, four and a half strokes putting over the course of that tournament was really promising for me. So um, he's shown a liking for the greens in, in one appearance here. So hopefully he can um, come through 
one of those players who's just like, I, I always regard Kiriyama as like kind of a gritty golfer, that Bay Hill performance particularly. You know, he can just, when he finds himself in contention with the best, he can kind of grind it out. Similar to the Scottish Open, right? Like where he, he had another very good performance. It was like a very strong field, had all these guys' names breathing down his neck and he was still able to hang with them and, and stay in contention. So kind of like that um, that parallel for Kiriyama here. And then with my final pick, I'm actually going to go Adam Schenk. And I think the, re- the reason why is I actually rate him a bit higher than Tom Hoagie's at the same price, but he's half the ownership. I just think he's a really nice pivot from Tom Hoagie there. Tom Hoagie's been hitting the ball brilliantly, so I understand the Tom Hoagie love at the moment. But we were kind of regarding Adam Schenk towards the end of last season as like a start, right? Like it, when it was like full season or like heading towards the, the playoffs, like he was playing so well that – um, you know, finishing ninth at the, the Tour Championship. And he was uh, kind of a killer in DFS at that point. And he's definitely fallen off the attention a lot in that regard. But he's just had a 25th at the um, Farmers and he had a 17th at the Phoenix Open last week. So I'd say he's in decent enough form. And I like the ownership saving that you're getting compared to um, Tom Hoagie there. There you have it. I like it. I like the way you rounded that squad out. And see, interesting, you started heavy, but you found a nice way to balance out the rest of your lineup there. Um, with my last pick here, I'm going to go ahead and take Jordan Spieth. Um, I like the way Jordan Spieth has been playing. You know, the, maybe the ball striking last week wasn't great, but he was spectacular around the green, his putting, uh, and he's been amazing, you know, consistently amazing around the green. That's something you're going to need here. He's going to, he's shown that's where he's excelling right now. And he was also spectacular off the tee, which I think give you another big benefit for him this week. So, if you can just find some strides and improvement on the ball striking uh, on approach this week, um, I think you can go out and win this tournament. And at 9K, he's also pretty underpriced for what, what the upside you can get for Spieth. Um, and it's a really nice way to kind of round out my, my balanced build here where I don't even have too high ownership, um, balance all around, not going to the top. I'm happy to go with this strategy this week. David, what say you on Spieth? I absolutely love Jordan Spieth this week. I think it's a really interesting way to round out your lineup, right? Because so many people, if they had that build and that amount of salary, would be going Justin Thomas. Obviously, given our format, you can't do that there. But because Justin Thomas is $100 more and you're leaving 300 tables, so many people would be going, oh, I'll just chuck Justin Thomas in over Jordan Spieth there. Um, again, Augusta National um, parallels to Riviera remind me, but I I do think Jordan Spieth has got a fairly decent record at the Masters from memory. Another course that's pretty parallel is uh, the Plantation course that's got a lot of links to success at Augusta National, and Jordan Spieth came out of the um, off-season firing there, finishing third as well. So six last week at the Phoenix Open, despite losing on approach, um, that's the f- first time he's lost on approach in his last four starts, um, but his around-the-green game just looked like insane some of the stuff that he was doing around the greens was amazing so um at a course where we expect that um around the greens can play a pretty significant factor his short game can really um carry him through there so i do really like the way that you've learned, um, rounded out that lineup there boom there you have it audience you are up with your last pick i love the start to your lineup here you got one left at 8600 um, so you got some options in that range. You're going to need two, audience, before we kind of give you some suggestions to round this roster out. Uh, while we wait for them, um, and obviously anything can happen with this last pick, David, is there anyone that you're surprised did not get picked in the draft tonight? Yeah, look, I think Rory McIlroy um, deserves some attention to 
at the top just because he is going to see some depressed ownership to the fact that Scotty Scheffler's right there. I think Xander's going to be a very popular play. I think Hov- I was surprised Hovland's getting more ownership than Xander at the moment. I put that out there because um, Hovland's obviously got some concerns with his swing and he's just lost on approach three in a row, like which has not happened. I, I have no idea why he fired his coach. It's It's been a spectacular failure thus far. We'll have to see if it plays dividends down the line, but um, I'd be surprised if, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that Rory's not been in the conversation for anyone here. I mean, both you and the audience have kind of gone this like balanced build this week, which I find really interesting because Riviera for me just always has come come in a, I don't know, a way where the, the top guys have always found their way to the top. Like the cream just seems to rise around Riviera. You look at the guys who won like Bubba and DJ and Adam Scott and the names that have won on this course have tended to be some of the biggest in the game. And um, I just, yeah, kind of pre- probably prefer the the Stars and Scrubs approach. But, um, but yeah, look, those two things would be the what I'd point out, Rory McIlroy and the fact you guys both chose to go a, a balanced build. There you have it. All right. The last pick is in, and it looks like the audience is going with Cam Young. Uh, listen, a polarizing player this year. We know Cam Young's upside. We know he's done – He's had some really great showings. Um, I think the issue with Cam Young was he hasn't been great this year. Uh, he obviously showed up last week and, and had a good result, but he hasn't been he hasn't instilled too much confidence before that. I will not be on Cam Young this week. David, what say you? Yeah, look, Cam Young's a wait and see for me at the moment. And the, the reason why I was watching the Dubai Desert Classic performance where he finished third and on that final day, he constantly found himself like in situations where it was like, okay, this is now Cam Young's tournament to lose. And he would find ways to lose it. Like, and he just like, it seems to be in that kind of vein at the moment. I don't know, like he needs to be working with Bob Rotella and like getting some sports psychology done um, because the, the, the swing looks good, really strong driver of the golf ball, which should be suitable for Riviera. The approach looks really good as well. Dubai's not the worst comp in terms of the fact that two of the winners, the Dubai Desert Classic, then won the Masters the same year that they won in Dubai. So um, Danny Willett and Sergio Garcia both did that in back-to-back years. And so the fact he's finished third there is quite promising. I just, I really just question with Cam Young whether he's got the finishing potential, um, even if he finds himself in, in contention. I just think on a tough, like, end stretch of this golf course, he might find a way to um, blow himself up. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, there you have it. Um, that's the draft for tonight. Do us a favor. Give us a follow. Hit the like button. Let us know which lineup you think is going to win. We're going to crown the winner next week. Um, but put your bets in now. I think we have three really solid lines. I think this is going to be a pretty competitive week. I'm excited to see how it shakes out. But we're not done yet. Before we lap up for tonight, we have some first-round leaders. Uh, before we get into that, don't forget to get into Discord. Sign, and if you haven't signed up for Win Daily, sign up and get into our Discord because you get more than just what you're giving us on the show tonight. You know There will be weather updates. We have Stephen's ownership article that will be coming out that will give you the most accurate ownership updates that you'll need when you're building your DFS lineups. If anything changes weather-wise and you want to be prepared for heading into the tournament, check into the Discord. We'll get you your updates. And, of course, we'll have some outright bets uh, leading up to the tournament for you to get on. So don't forget to sign up. David has the link. He's been sending it out. You can, you can sign up there. We'll get more updates. And we're giving out winners. We're, we're having a pretty hot year. You want to get behind it now while we're winning. 
We're always winning, but get behind it now. Get those wins in because once you get one, one of these winning bets, that pays for itself for the year plus up. 100%. And I'll point out with the promo at the moment that we did a special for Super Bowl 58, where we gave um, a pretty insane 58% off our weekly and monthly memberships. Um, this is the last 24 hours for that. So it's in the link in the description at the moment. But weekly membership is $6.30 a week. So I mean, for the price of coffee, you're not only getting our golf bets, but you're just getting like all of our sports or our projections, ownership. It's the best value in sports. Um, and yeah, as you said, the, the golf has been hitting pretty well this year. I mean, uh, just point out that Spence hit Wyndham Clark at 100 to 1, and I hit Pivon at 125 to 1 this year as well. So um, you will pay off that uh, membership quite easily uh, within your first few months. And uh, and then you're just free rolling for the rest of the year, um, making some really profitable plays, both in DFS and in um, sports betting. We had one member sign up last week, member for one week, and he went down and took down $6,000 in, in a DraftKings DFS lineup. So that's what we love to see. So um, big, big congrats to them. Great to have them on board. And uh, fair to say they've paid off their $6.30 a week in uh, membership fees already. I, I think so for... Sure. All right. The first round leaders, these ones we're going to have some fun with, some long shots. Uh, David, we'll start with you. Who are you looking at in the first round leader market? Yeah, so I've just got two this week, kind of basing it off um, the the approach buckets and particularly the around the green game and, and putting that you need to really um, spike a really low round around here. So the two for me are Sam Burns at 33 to 1 and Jordan Spieth at 33 to 1. I think they're both good value at those numbers, um, like those in, in the first round leader market. I love it. I love it. My long shot, the point I'm, I'm most surprised, one of the guys I'm pretty surprised didn't get drafted also. Um, at 60 to 1, I'm going to go with Emiliano Grillo. You know, he really spiked last week on his approach. Um, we've seen him get a hot putter. I think for one day, he can get hot and, and have a big first round. So at 60 to 1, I think you're getting a really good number on Grillo. Um, I do have two more plays that I'll, I'll put out there that I like in the first round leader market. The guy I took last. Jordan Spieth at 30 to 1. And I like Wyndham Clark at 35 to 1. Um, with that, that Grio pick as well, I really like that. We were on him last week just specifically because that 150 to 200 yard approach bucket was so good for him. And then um, on his final day, he kind of like finally got the putter going and shot an 8 under on his final round at Phoenix. So do really like that player coming out and spiking um, another hot round with a good finish to the week for him. Boom. There you have it. We are all aligned. Uh, that's a wrap for tonight. Like I said before, I'm pretty pumped about this week. I think this is a, a good week. I love the field. I think the pricing feels good and how I want to build my lineup. So let's go out there and make some money. David, did I forget anything tonight? I'm excited to see who plays the 15th hole down 17. That's always really entertaining. I think that we should be giving golfers a bit more license to do creative things like that. You know, it's always fun to see who's going to be hitting over the scoreboard, having a bit of fun with the golf course. Um, I know it has issues with um, pace of play because the players playing down the 17th, but um, very excited to see how this golf course plays. But um, as always, the real answer, it's sports. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.